Welcome, everyone, to the first ever episode of the Ball Out Pod with Brandon Glover. And in case you can't tell by now, my name is Brandon Glover. And in this pod, I aim to address all things ball that need to be addressed. And I would love to, li- like to emphasize that over here, we ain't scared to get real, okay? We ain't afraid to stir up the pot, all right? We ain't afraid to call people out by name. And with that being said, welcome to the show. Now, our first segment up called What They Said. This is one of my favorite segments. And we're going to pretty much address and call out some opinions that just did not need to be shared. And first and foremost, some people are actually impressed by LeBron going to 4-0 as an all-star captain. Um, And let's take a step back, okay? Don't get me wrong. LeBron James is my GOAT, okay? The king, all right? Best player in the world still at 36 years old. This is no slander against him or his legacy of what he's accomplished. But the all-star game? This is this is really what we're impressed with now. I mean, this is this is the game where you know dudes don't care, uh, dudes just don't want to get hurt. Uh, uh, the, the the game where no defense is played, where half the players didn't even want to be there this year. I mean, and we're also talking about the same guy that only played 13 minutes as a captain, uh, who who pretty much just let let Steph and Dame go crazy and and put the game away for him uh, before the game was even over. I mean, at the end of the day. This is just noise to me. I, I hear you, but I ain't listening. Uh, I mean, hey, shouts out to LeBron going 4-0, and but I, I'm, I'm just not impressed by it. Uh, I wouldn't add this to his legacy. You know, I wouldn't make this a, <laughs> one of those defining arguments. And next up, Giannis deserving the MVP. <sighs> See, this is a tough one because, I mean, the man did go 16 for 16 from the field. I mean, it's hard to say that's not impressive, but... Look at the film. He made three threes on the night, and only one was legit, and the other two were bank shots. And let's be real, he did not call bank. He was not going for the glass on either of them. They were absolute luck. And then you got 13 dunks and layups. Like I said before, in the All-Star game, the game that no one plays defense, you know, where you can get to the rim with ease, where, you know, that's what Giannis is best at. I'm sorry. I'm just, like, I, I, I mean, I guess, I guess he's the only option to give him to give it to. But at the end of the day, I'm not impressed by this game whatsoever. It just amplified what we already know about Giannis. Okay, killer once he gets within five feet, but you know, keep him outside. Uh, that's where we'll live. Third up, Anthony Simons deserving to win a dunk contest. I mean. You know, there's been these Mickey Mouse jokes, shout out Joel Embiid, but that was the true definition of a Mickey Mouse dunk contest. I mean, I mean, he, who, he, who, who was he going against? Cassius Stanley, the dude who spent more time in the G League than in the actual NBA. Uh, I'm sorry, over Obi Toppin, the guy who spent more time on the pine than on the, on the actual floor. I mean, where's the excitement? Where are the names that people actually can recognize? Where, where's... Where the where's the creativity too? Because I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, Anthony, like, what what did he really do that was impressive? I'm pretty sure we saw either Dwight or Javale McGee do do that dunk ten years ago, where he he grabbed the ball off you know two feet higher than the rim and then just dunked it in. I mean, you know, he he's got hops, he's got ups, but is that impressive? And his dunk where he kissed the rim, you know, the highlight of the dunk contest. 
well, one where he didn't actually kiss the rim. Um, he just got close to it, you know, pu- pu- puckered his lips up and then and then shied away from it. I mean, do we really honestly think that, you know, 80%, maybe 90% of the NBA can't do that same exact dunk? It's, it's literally the same thing. It's just he just cocked it back with one hand, puckered his lips up, and turned away. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure most of the NBA can do that. So that's what we're impressed about. I mean, shouts out. Like I said, you got hops. All right. Uh, I guess you deserve to win it. Cause I mean, really, I mean, who out there really did? Uh, but, but I mean, just congratulations, I guess. Someone also said that Philly's punching the air right now, and I absolutely agree. Ben and Joel, uh, they they were they were kicked out of the All Star game on the day of uh, due to contact tracing. I mean, hey, as a, and for those who don't know, I am a diehard Sixers fan. I don't blame them. I mean, the dudes just wanted to look fresh on All Star weekend. They ended up getting a haircut from the same barber, and the barber ended up testing positive for COVID. I mean, I mean, you, you can can you talk about worse luck than that? I mean, it always seems like the world is against us. The world is against Philly. But you know what? Hey, my guys aren't hurt. You know that. You know they they still got the recognition that that I wanted. Ben was still an all star, and uh, it was sad not to see them out there. But I'm over it by now. And last but not least, someone said that Damian Lillard is the closest thing to Allen Iverson that we've seen since AI retired. Like I said, die hard Sixers fan. Allen Iverson is the reason that I am a Sixers fan. Allen Iverson is the reason that I am a Philly sports fan. He was my icon. You know, he was a legend. You know, he was a role model to me. Taught me to be fearless on the court. One of the reasons I started playing basketball. So I just want y'all to know how much this means to me. How, how much, how much, how much confusion I'm going through because I don't hate the comparison, and I get it. You know, Damien is nothing about loyalty. Okay, you know the same type of loyalty AI showed to Philly. Dame, he bleeds Portland basketball. Um, you know, he has no desire to leave. Similar to AI, I mean, he's carried them to every point that they've gotten to since he's been there, okay? It's similar to AI. I mean, those two dudes, they go, those teams go as they go, let's be honest. So like I said, I understand where people are coming from. I mean, he's clutch, you know, damn time. You know, AI obviously in the clutch, that's the go-to guy, the killer. I get it. I truly get it. Where you lose me in this comparison is one Dame Dollar hasn't made the NBA Finals. I mean, he's been in the West, you know, much tougher division. Made it to the Western Conference Finals once, um, but that's my first gripe with him. Second, he's never come really close to sniffing an MVP award, which we know AI won. Third off. AI literally changed the game. He he changed the way that the game was officiated. Dame Lillard has not had that impact. 
last but not least, AI actually changed the culture of the NBA as well. He's an icon, okay? Damian Lillard, off the court impact, off the off the court, you know, just 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 persona, his, his everything about him, it doesn't compare. I don't hate the comparison, like I said, but if I did have to pick one person of this last generation to become close to Allen Iverson, it's that boy James Harden. And I know this move to Brooklyn doesn't help his case, but in his eight-year tenure, what he did in Houston, scoring title after scoring title, MVP nods, you know, almost beating the Warriors, should have beat the Warriors, made it to the finals and actually won a ring. That's who I go with. But overall, I'm not mad at the comparison. And that brings us actually to our next segment. As you guys hopefully are aware by now, Blake Griffin just was bought out by the Detroit Pistons and signed with the Brooklyn Nets. Put the media into a frenzy, put the sports world, the the basketball world into a frenzy. And uh, this is actually story time with Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin, former slam dunk champion, fresh on the market after a buyout, after an awful season up in Motown. Then came the Nets to offer him something he's never been so close to seeing, an ever-elusive championship ring. Shooting a whopping 31.5% from three, is this the guy? Was this really all they need? I mean, let's be real, it was, it was Jeremy Grant's team. And don't get me wrong, the Nets are and will be tough. A new small ball lineup with him? Oof, good luck. He provides some much needed depth and even more so size. And you know what? One time for Lob City, it was sad for the world to say goodbye. But if I'm your Joel, Giannis, or King James, am I quaking with fear? <laughs> no, dear. That ain't gonna do it for me. This ain't the move that's gonna make me concede. I wish him all the best, and I'll be happy to see him win a ring. There's no malice in my heart. Blake Griffin, do your thing. But seriously, uh, what this move does for them, I mean, it gives them size, size, and size. I mean, they were lacking desperately in that department. I mean, he, he can play the four or five. Um, he provides some much-needed depth. I mean, you know, they were relying on Landry Shamit to come in and produce off the bench. I mean... Uh, when he's one of your marquee pieces, uh, that's, 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 that's a tough sell for me. What I think is being overlooked with this acquisition is that Blake Griffin is a proven facilitator. I mean, he's, he's, that's an area of his game that has always been above average for someone of his size for the position that he plays. He's a natural four, okay? But he's always shown an ability, ability and a willingness to pass and make others better. And playing with guys like Kyrie, James Harden, and Kevin Durant, I think that's going to be very valuable. Very valuable to them. What this move does not do for me, it does not put them over the top, and it does not make me scared of them. This isn't. That's not the reason. Okay, I'm scared of. I'm scared of them as a as a as a Sixers fan because of Kyrie, James Harden, and uh, Kevin Durant. Those are the only three reasons I'm scared of them. Outside of that, there's a lot of question marks with this team. And I mean, Blake Griffin. Let's be real. At this point of his career, he's 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 washed. He's a shell of himself. 
Uh, he was averaging, what, 12, 12 points or so. He was a role player for that team. Uh, like I said, it was Jeremy Grant's team, actually. Um, and Blake was just a role player for one of the worst teams in the NBA. Let's not forget. So, I mean, he is he a good fit? You know, small ball, you know, like I said, can pass the ball. He can play the four or five. Yes, he's a good fit in that department. But, I mean, he's, he's, this is, this is not, this is not the Blake Griffin of old that, that we should, uh, that should, we should really fear. I mean, great addition, but this is still not it for me. Uh, still a great chance to make it out of the East. Still a good chance to win the finals just because of the top three guys that you have, but this just does not put them over the top for me. I'm very excited for this one. Our first ever Clown of the Week. And I can't think of a better person than Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz. And for all the Jazz fans out there, I am a proud, proud Gobert hater. Uh, you, you know the narrative. Oh, the best defensive big man in the league. Oh, he's their anchor. Oh, he's worth the money. <laughs> My, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And that's actually not the reason I'm hating on him at this very moment in time. Uh, like I've mentioned before, I'm a diehard Sixers fan. So... Seeing him get dominated twice in a row, I mean, granted they did win one of those games, but and the game they won without was without Embiid. I mean, when can the Sixers actually win without Embiid? But a story for another day. Um, he got dominated twice in a row. First game without Embiid, he let Ben Simmons, who he pretty much guarded the entirety of the game, let Ben Simmons drop 42, 12, and nine on his head. And then the next matchup lets Embiid drop 40 and uh, 19 on him. By the way, Embiid for MVP, just throw that, throwing that out there. Um, but here's, here's where my, I guess, my gripe with Gobert. I, I think it began all the way at the beginning of the pandemic. And, I mean, we remember what happened, you know, him in the, him in the post-game interview, you know, touching all the mics, you know, making a joke out of the COVID, out of COVID-19. Uh, it, that, that was a bad look, did not age well. Then he got paid $200 million. Wow. Enough, enough said there. But my question is, where is he taking them? Where is, where is he going to take them? I mean, we've seen what him and Donovan Mitchell do, have done together. I mean, they've had a great deal of success. They're you know, the number one in the West right now. But, I mean, I mean let's be real. What, what does this move what did that move of extending him do for them long term? Uh, besides, you know, give them some cap, some cap issues going forward. And the best part about all of this was that the king, my goat, went on national TV during the All Star Game draft. After picking a bunch of guards, he said, "I need size." And who did he pick? Demontes Sabonis. Over Rudy Gobert, that one of the lankiest, longest dudes in the in the NBA. I mean, that that was almost as bad as when Max went on went on national TV uh, and was asked about uh, a guy taking one shot, and he said, "I want Iguodala over Steph Curry or anyone else." He got picked last in the All Star game. The so-called anchor, you know, multiple tw- multiple defensive player of the year, you know, helping lead the Jazz to the number one seed in the West. I'm sorry, and he got picked last. Both Jazz players got picked last. Uh, I'm sorry, but Rudy Gobert, this one's all you.
and that brings us to max sign cut uh, where we have the option to either max a player to sign them for a year because we can it, it, we believe that it helps put us over the top or just straight out cut them and the first three bachelors on this week's episode we got Devin Booker Zach Levine and Donovan Mitchell now there's a lot of factors that we have to take into account when we start to address this topic. Uh, you know, first and foremost, I think age is a very, very big factor. That uh, I think that's one of the most heavily weighted factors in this. I mean, Zach Levine just turned 26, which is a knock against him, unfortunately, because Devin Booker and Donovan Mitchell are both 24 years old. So they got a couple years to catch up to Zach Levine where he is right now. Career success, I mean, you have to value that. And that helps Donovan Mitchell's case because he's been to the playoffs three times now and even made it to the second round. Uh, had a heck of a playoff series uh, last year against the Denver Nuggets, although he did crumble, he did fold. But heck of a playoff series um, last year in the bubble. The other two have yet to make the promised land. So strikes against them. A, a plus for Donovan Mitchell in that, in that uh, category. But this year, if we start with Devin Booker, averaging 25-4-4 on 50% from the field, shooting only 36% from three, though. And he's helping lead the Suns to the second in the West uh, at this very moment in time. Donovan Mitchell, pretty similar numbers, 25-5-5, 42% shooting from the field, 38% from three. Could be better. Uh, but he's the leading force on the first team in the West because we know we know it's not Rudy Gobert. Now Zach Levine, he's been killing it this year. Deserved that All Star nod. Twenty nine five and five on fifty two percent from the field and forty three percent from three. You know he, it was it was it was good to see him being recognized for the three point contest because you know, I, I think that just highlights his ascension, his ascension and what he's done and, and the amount of work that he's put into the game was not really known as a three-point shooter coming in however he's on the ninth seed bulls right now in the east which does not help his case so I, i'm not going to disqualify him on that basis alone because you also have to take a look at, at some other factors you know going back to devin booker i mean chris paul who i mean Honestly, this dude might deserve an MVP nod uh, because wherever he goes, he wins. I mean, I mean, he's done it time and time again. Uh, what he did with with Houston, what he did with OKC, and now what he's even doing with the Suns. I mean, it's 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 incredible. It's incredible. Dude's what thirty five now, and still and still the point god. Truly, um, just making everyone else around him better, providing that veteran leadership and experience. CP3 is a little bit more valuable to the Suns and Devin Booker, which is why I'm hesitant. You know, to, to just 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 max book right away. I mean, Donovan Mitchell. You know, he is that leading force. Um, however, I think I think through time, time has proven that Donovan Mitchell is not a number one on a championship winning team. I don't think he's the go-to on a championship team. 
Uh, I think we've just seen everything. I think personally, I've seen everything that I, I that I need to see from Donovan Mitchell. I know exactly what he's going to be, and I think that's a poor man's Dwayne Wade. He's not going to reach the same level that Dwayne Wade was because Dwayne Wade was able to win one on his own back in 06. He was able to do that. Donovan Mitchell will not be able to do that. Donovan Mitchell needs his Batman to his Robin in order to win a championship, I believe. And then we move on to Zach Levine. He's proven as he's a baller. It's tough to even say that he's the number two on a championship team. And I think most would agree. So with all factors, all those factors taken into account, I still think that Devin Booker has the highest ceiling out of everyone. I mean, he's dropped 70 points in a game already in his career. You know, he's gone off, gone off in multiple prolific, uh, prolific performances. You know, the dude can score almost at will. His game reminds you a little bit of Kobe. You know, the turnaround fadeaways, the mid-range getting to his spots, the step back, whatever. Pretty, whatever. I genuinely think Devin Booker has the highest ceiling in this group. I think he's the closest to being a 1A on a team. I think he's closer to being 1A than, Donovan, than a Donovan Mitchell or a Zach Levine. I think one day Devin Booker can be the best player on a championship team. That he's 24 years old. And that is who I'm choosing to max, Devin Booker. Now this one's tough. Because we have to sign one, we have to cut one. Even taking into account all everything I've said before, you know, Zach Levine's age, uh, you know, the fact that he might not even be able to be a number two on a championship team. I love his game. I love I love I love the way he plays. And call me a jazz hater, but I'm signing Zach Levine and I'm cutting Donovan Mitchell. You heard yes. I am taking Zach Levine over Donovan Mitchell ten times out of ten. Thank you guys for joining the first ever episode of the Ball Out Pod with Brandon Glover. I can't wait to talk to you guys next week. Olive.